Vision Zero Task Force meeting number eight. Recording in progress. Welcome to everybody. My name is uh, Raul Perales. I am your task force chair, and we are joined by our task force vice chair, council member Pam Foley. This is our second task force meeting for the calendar year 2022 and our eighth uh, overall task force meeting. Um, before we get started, uh, as um, we have been, uh, unfortunately, I'd like to take a few minutes to remember the 21 people who have perished on our streets since our last task force meeting on April 6th uh, of this year up until August 30th. And these are members of our community, family members, friends um, whose lives were taken too soon. I'm gonna call out the names of uh, 11 road traffic victims and then council member Foley will call out the names of the remaining 10. Narindar Karu, a pedestrian. Kuljit Karu, a pedestrian. Rogelio Lara, a pedestrian. Shay Shah, pedestrian. Fabian Renteria Jr., a motorist. Janet Rodriguez, pedestrian. Jose Navarro Jr., bicyclist. Mariano Perez Antonio, pedestrian. An unnamed male pedestrian. Diane Brager, pedestrian. And an unnamed female pedestrian. I'll turn it over to uh, Vice Chair Foley. And uh, Vice Chair Foley, you are on mute, sorry. Thank you for letting me know, I'm so sorry. Eric Cummings, motorist. Laura Patricia Ortega Bautista, pedestrian. An unnamed male motorcyclist. Alvaro de Jesus Garcia Navas, pedestrian. Angel Joel Balderas, motorist. Hunter Thompson, motorist. James Wesley Koenig III, motorcyclist. David Dunbar, motorist. An unnamed male motorcyclist. An unnamed male motorist. May they rest in peace. Thank you, Councilmember Foley. And um, we do that as a reminder of the work that we're doing and how significant it is. And uh, unfortunately, um, the list of names have not shrunk throughout the course of the last couple of years. Um, and as a reminder, we're, we're just reading those individuals um, from our last task force meeting. Uh, so uh, it is staggering, uh, and I know that it's powerful for me to to read through the names of these individuals. We look at statistics, and we had feedback very early on that you know the statistics didn't didn't paint um, an honest enough picture, and so that's why we we do this. And thank you, uh, Vice Chair Foley, as well, and and for everyone on the task force uh, for participating and indulging us. 
Vision Zero is an effort that brings data analysis, community outreach together to better understand uh, of which safety projects and strategic cross-department initiatives are the most impactful at reducing crashes uh, and severe and fatal injuries, and to prioritize safety projects and infrastructure improvements based on the data and our community feedback. Today, there will be a presentation from our MIG consultant who is working on the Vision Zero strategic communication strategies uh, and pre and post project evaluations uh, of some safety projects as part of the Vision Zero program. And throughout the meeting, I encourage uh, you to think about how we can better leverage opportunities to collaborate uh, with other departments and agencies and one another to improve street safety. We encourage task force members to think creatively about how they or their departments may be able to help address reducing traffic injuries and fatalities by creating new partnerships or programs that we may not have thought of yet. Uh, and this is just an opportunity as a reminder, the reason why this task force is so broad is because we recognize the different stakeholders that can play a part in helping to reduce traffic injuries and fatalities. This is not something that rests solely in the Department of Transportation or the Police Department. Um, really, this is something multifaceted and, and really requires the creativity and, and collaboration of all of us. And, um, and so we do encourage everyone to, to put on that thinking cap and, and see how uh, they may be able to, to offer some uh, insider assistance as well. Um, there will be a task force member discussion uh, after each presentation, uh, 15 minutes after reports and updates where we will hear about the traffic fatality data and the action plan progress. Uh, and then also after the MIG and project evaluation presentations from our DOT staff. And then uh, we'll conclude with an open forum for public comment at the end of our meeting as typical. Um, okay, we will now move into our roll call. And I'll be calling out the department and organization name. Uh, and if uh, the representative could give a brief uh, introduction with just uh, themselves, their name and their title would be most appreciated. And, uh, and then if there are any other new panelists that have joined us in 2022 that haven't been able to introduce themselves before, you can raise your hand and we'll make sure to call on you uh, at the end of our roll call here. Um, so I am present, your chair and your vice chair. Um, we'll go down to our city of San Jose Department of Transportation. Don't know if I see anybody here. Well, besides all of the DOT staff that is part of our Vision Zero team. Um, but uh, I don't believe I see John Risto. Um, but I know Jess is here. His... Laura's here. I'm not sure if she. Oh, Laura's with us. Okay. Hey, sorry. <laughs> Councilmember Laura Wells took me a while to get my video on. Um, Assistant Director for the Department of Transportation. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, from our City of San Jose Police Department. Hey, good morning. Uh, Sergeant Doug Gates, uh, joining new to this year, uh, replacing retired David uh, Naya, Lieutenant, who just retired recently. Um, so we will be here and look forward to collaborating and answering any questions that you guys might have with us. Welcome, Sergeant. Happy to have you. All right. From our City of San Jose Fire Department. Good morning, uh, James Williams, Assistant Fire Chief. Uh, I'll be uh, joining this meeting. I think previously uh, Chief Sopkin had been sitting on uh, this group, but I will be representing the fire department moving forward. Glad to be here. Thank you. Welcome, Chief. Happy to have you as well. From our City of San Jose Public Works Department. Don't know if I see anybody. Not at the moment. 
uh, from our City of San Jose Parks Department. Not seeing Neil either. Let's skip down. Uh, City of San Jose Economic Development. No Sal. Um, about our City of San Jose Planning Department. Not here. City of San Jose Housing Department. Not present. Okay, now we'll move down to uh, VTAEA, Valley Transportation Authority. Hi, Lauren Ledbetter. I'm a senior transportation planner in managing the bicycle and pedestrian program at VTA. And I apologize, I, I due to a scheduling conflict, I have to leave at 10, but I will be reviewing the recording. And there's also some other VTA staff in the audience who are taking notes. Thank you. Great, thank you, Lauren. Uh, from our county roads and airports. Uh, good morning, Harry Freitas. I'm the director of the roads and airports department responsible mostly for the purposes of this meeting for the expressway system. I'll also like to introduce um, Anath Prasad, our deputy director responsible for maintenance and operation of our roadways, as well as the county traffic engineer. Thank you. Thank you, Harry. And Anath, always uh, happy to, to have you uh, with us. Uh, from our county public health department. Good morning, Michelle Wexler filling in for Rhonda McClinton-Brown. I'm the program manager for the active and safe communities within the public health department. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for being here. And uh, from our county uh, emergency medical services, EMS. Don't see Jackie. All right, our county medical examiner coroner. Good morning, everyone. Dr. Jordan with the Medical Examiner Coroner's Office, and I believe our Administrative Service Officer, Candace Garcia, is also on the line. Great. Thank you, Dr. Jordan. Oh, I see you're under Dr. Jordan's name. Okay, we got it. Um, and thank you, Candace, as well, for joining us. Uh, we have our County Office of Education. Don't see Dr. Duan. Uh, Cal Walks, our community partners. Don't see Cal Walks yet, uh, but from the Silicon Valley Bike Coalition. Not present yet. And then uh, lastly, from AARP. Good morning. Uh, this is Joe Glenn, AARP California, and a member of the San Jose, City of San Jose Advocacy Team. Thank you. And was there anybody that I didn't see any hands raised um, from anybody that we did not introduce joining us today? No. Okay. Well, thank you. We'll move on now. Uh, we have our uh, announcement of our minutes, which are posted uh, for the Vision Zero Task Force for December 10th, uh, or excuse me, from April, uh, or no, it's from December 10th, um, minutes are, are posted. Um, and the meeting uh, minutes from the last April 6th meeting uh, were posted to the website as well. And you can reach out to staff uh, directly if you have any comments on those. This meeting is being recorded uh, as, uh, as always, and it will be posted. The panelists have been muted by uh, 
default, since we do have a large group, you will uh, have to use the raise hand function uh, in order uh, for us to call on you and then mute and unmute you. And um, when you speak, uh, if you could just please rename the uh, agency and, and your name, who are you representing? And uh, our attendees will have an opportunity to public comment at the open forum portion uh, of our meeting. And um, our speaking time um, is limited, so we'll do our best to, to stay on the agenda. And um, if you'd like to raise your hand to get in the queue now, you can uh, dial star nine if you're on the phone or use the raise hand feature so that that way we can get an idea of, of those that would like to speak at the end of the, the meeting. Okay, we'll now move on to our reports and updates. Uh, this um, will be coming from Jesse Mintz-Roth uh, from San Jose's DOT. who will give us some updates on the Vision Zero uh, key metrics, updates on uh, Vision Zero action plan, priority action areas will follow, presented by uh, Jesse Mintz-Roth and Voodoo uh, from our DOT, and then uh, Sergeant Doug Gates from the San Jose Police Department. And then we'll have our task force member discussions and questions to follow. Jesse, the floor is yours. And Jesse, you are muted as well, if you're talking. <laughs> Jesse, you are still muted. I don't know if you're trying to present to us or if you're just preparing. Sorry, I'm having some trouble. So just one moment here, I'm gonna go okay. back in the slides. Gotcha, thank you. it'll work this time. Uh, thank you for your introduction. And um, I just introduced myself. My name is Jesse Mansra, and I'm the Vision Zero Program Manager. Um, I'm going to begin by talking about the traffic fatality trends. And just as you've given the introduction and naming all of the people who've passed since our last task force, I also want to acknowledge that while these are numbers, these are also our friends and family. Um, San Jose's traffic fatalities, as I've mentioned in many of these task force meetings, um, have doubled in the last 10 years. And if we look at the image on the right side um, of the slide, looking into uh, the most recent data, uh, we see uh, that in 2020, uh, so 2016 to 2020 are shown in uh, sort of bar charts going up each month. Uh, and we use that as the comparison for what happened in 2021 and so far in 2022. Um, obviously, the pandemic is unusual. We can see that in the 2020 data being lower than 2019 and 2021. Um, and as the economy reopened in mid-2021, um, the, the number of traffic fatalities began going above the typical range from before. Um, and as we went into 2022, that number was quite high, and we've been quite attentive to that higher number of traffic fatalities uh, going into well, really the first months of the year. There were a lot of fatalities in January and February. Um, so we've been very attentive to think about what we can do. And at the moment, we're seeing the traffic fatality line maybe begin to flatten, which is at least a little encouraging. Um, uh, looking at cumulative injuries by month, uh, you can see the 2022 line within the range of 2017 to 2021, the last five years. Uh, looking at fatal and severe injuries, 
uh, it's interesting to see this year that uh, the that line is actually on the lower end um, compared to the last five years. Um, key metrics so far in 2022 um, is that we see 17 or 38 percent of fatalities, uh, the 45 fatalities so far occurring on priority safety corridors. This is typical. It's usually 30 to 40 percent. Um, we see five of them so far on White Road. So that is really unusual to see so many fatalities on one road. Um, and so that has been a, a corridor that we are quite interested in and applying, especially to um, get grant funding to uh, have a lot of, to have more money to do some of its bigger issues. Um, we see 28 or 62% in dark hours, also 28 or 62% involving male drivers. Um, 10 have speeding as a factor. Typically, this is our highest, uh, speeding is typically our highest known factor. Um, and six with the red light running, which is also typically our number two. Um, eight involved unhoused people, which is something that we have highlighted in previous task forces, that there's a growing number of traffic fatalities where the victim is someone who is unhoused. Um, and then uh, 23 involve people walking. And so 23 is fully half or just above half of all the traffic fatalities so far. Um, and of those 23, 14 or 61% were outside crosswalks. Oh dear, let's go back to that slide. Um, so these are the uh, sort of list view of the traffic fatalities that were uh, the names of people who council members Perales and Foley read in the introduction. You can see the orange color for people killed while walking is the dominant color here. Um, and two of them um, look to involve uh, two people. So uh, that is, sorry, yes, I believe so. Um, so moving on to the action plan update, uh, there are six areas in the action plan um, and I will go through them here and in some cases invite other people to speak to these slides. Under the first area, which is to build robust data analytics tools, we have been working uh, with our contractor Urban Logic to update the priority safety corridors and so this will be the first time that the priority safety corridors have been updated in five years. They were originally created when San Jose adopted Vision Zero in 2015 and updated in 2017. Uh, by doing this update, we'll be creating a cadence of updating the uh, priority safety corridors every five years. Um, the update uses the most recent five years of data, actually this is six, but um, 2017 to 2021. Um, and we're basically working with Urban Logic to evaluate the other city, the other methodologies that other Vision Zero cities used to create uh, their Vision Zero networks as well. So this time we're able to compare what it would be like to use the methodology we've used so far uh, to, for example, the methodology that San Francisco uses um, and see if we use those different methodologies, if the map at the end is similar or, or different. So. Uh, that's been very interesting to explore other methodologies that we could use. Um, 
we're going to be presenting on this topic to uh, the City Council Transportation Environment Committee on November 7th. So I won't be showing a map now, um, but if you're interested in the topic and finding out which other streets will be uh, designating as priority safety corridors in the future, please attend that meeting. Um, as a sort of high level topic, we uh, look to be expanding the network. Currently, the network uh, covers 3% of San Jose streets, which equals 70 center line miles. Um, and so we're looking, it seems likely that we'll be doubling it to about 6%, which will equal about twice as many center line miles. Um, and the version of it that we're currently looking at will probably fall 88% in what the Metropolitan Transportation Commission of the Bay Area uh, designates as equity priority communities. And now for the slide about strategizing traffic enforcement, I will pass the mic over to uh, Sergeant Doug Gates from the San Jose Police Department. Uh, good morning, everybody again. Thank you, Jesse. Um, so slide represents the citations and warnings issued by uh, officers at San Jose PD uh, over the last year. Um, obviously, one area of concern uh, that, that we looked into is why citations dipped in the December-January timeframe, uh, specifically because of the increase of injury collisions and fatalities that occurred during then. Um, some contributing factors, obviously, is inclement weather. Our motorcycle officers do not ride, typically, in the rain, um, so they'll be out in cars to increase safety and visibility, uh, which does limit them from getting around as much. Uh, another contributing factor is during that time frame, we lost uh, three officers from the unit to retirement. Uh, so backfilling those positions and getting those officers up to speed uh, in their, their role um, took some time. And so we're still struggling with staffing uh, going forward, but we hope to uh, partner with DOT and determine where our resources can be deployed uh, to best lower the injuries and collisions. Thank you. For the next slide, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the beginning of our community outreach and engagement, um, one of which uh, was the town hall meeting that took place at the City Hall on Saturday, May 7th. And for this slide, I believe Council Member Perales, that you'll be uh, sharing some thoughts about this, or this uh, meeting that you organized. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for sharing the data um, that was collected from uh, our uh, town hall back in April. So as everybody's able to see up on the screen there, you can um, take a look at that as I just give some uh, overview remarks. I wanna thank our vice chair as well, uh, Pam Foley for co-hosting the event uh, and our task force members, uh, especially those uh, such as from ARRP and the Silicon Valley Bike Coalition for helping to co-host and promote the event as well. Um, a lot of things that we talked about, or excuse me, a lot of things that we talk about here in the task force are very data-driven, uh, and they revolve around what we can quantify, um, but we wanted to look at qualitative data, and um, that was the feedback and the components uh, that we got from those that um, live and work uh, and reside here uh, in San Jose. The, the town hall uh, was tremendously helpful in able, allowing us to, to gather that information. There are two themes really that uh, we can infer from the information that we gathered at that meeting. 
And uh, first was uh, equitable and efficient planning through traffic calming projects uh, or quick builds remains uh, not only effective, but highly desired from our residents. Uh, this was not lost upon the city council as we uh, continue to invest over $6 million for quick build improvements on our priority safety corridors uh, across our five-year capital improvement program. Additionally, I know several council members uh, and uh, such as myself got additional council dollars that we requested through the budget for traffic calming, additional traffic calming measures. Uh, and the city council allocated an additional $300,000 crosswalk study, um, sideshow, and enhanced crosswalks throughout our, our city. Second, the other theme uh, that we saw is continuing dialogue and engagement. Many of the anecdotes or observations and concerns that were expressed to us that day were uh, immediately dispatched out to a small but mighty traffic safety team to evaluate and investigate. I can attest that in my seven years, uh, nearly eight years now as a council member, a lot of the traffic calming projects were driven by concerns raised by our community members. And I wanna thank uh, Lam Cruz and all the members uh, of uh, the team, such as Armando uh, Camacho, Daniel Fernandez, and uh, Jennifer Dyer for continuing uh, to work with uh, my team uh, and the council in responding to the numerous traffic calming inquiries that come in. Uh, this includes collecting data on speeding uh, or potentially hazardous conditions and then suggesting any solutions if available. And oftentimes there are no infrastructure changes that can be made. Uh, an example, my office just received a concern uh, about 4th and Heading Street. Um, and uh, I appreciated the concern. I, I live uh, not too far down the street myself and, and understand the, the uh, the speed uh, of that intersection in both directions. Um, my team worked with the traffic safety team to uh, look at what had already been done, some narrowing of the roads, some reducing of lanes, and um, uh, understood that there were a lot of traffic safety measures already in place. And at that point, um, recognizing that we may need more uh, additional support from the traffic enforcement unit, um, and we informed TEU um, and then educated our constituent on how best to uh, utilize our uh, traffic enforcement unit as well. And as we just heard from the sergeant, uh, they still struggle with staffing and that's a major concern for uh, the council. And I know myself, uh, it's something that we have uh, continued to, to advocate uh, to the chief uh, to, in hopes to continue to, to build up that, uh, that uh, um, unit. It is important that we continue to uh, allow for open channels of communication between our city hall and residents um, as they are our eyes and ears on the street and they can provide us the best feedback and uh, we can in turn provide them with the best solutions available. Uh, this is something I encourage uh, those uh, taking on the task force and our Vision Zero program next year uh, to build upon. Uh, and again, just wanna say thank you to everybody that participated in the town hall. Uh, especially those members of the task force here, and I hope everybody found it as uh, beneficial as uh, our office and city staff did. Thank you for letting me give uh, the, the intro there, Jesse. Thank you. Um, so I will continue on to the next slide. Um, so also under community outreach and engagement, we currently have a number of summer walk audits. Um, 
We did one in June, actually two, both the one in June and July were a collaboration with the County Department of Roads and Airports joined here on the task force. So the first was Almaden Expressway um, in June and then Capital Expressway in July. Uh, we also had a neighborhood one in August on in Mount Pleasant Clayton Road. Um, and we have one coming up on Thursday, September 8th on Calle Willow um, and another on Wednesday, September 21st at Tradewinds. The information for joining these meetings are available on our website at vision0sj.org um, and anyone can attend. So please join us for those if you're interested. Uh, also under community outreach and engagement, uh, one of the areas that we've highlighted uh, in the past is the growth of traffic fatalities involving unhoused people. And so we've recently mounted a three month campaign uh, with the audience of drivers to alert people about uh, looking for pedestrians on the roadway. And so for all these locations that you see red dots on this map, even if you can't see the map up close, I'll tell you that we put signs in 58 places um, on 13 roadways near uh, encampment sites and also handed out palm cards, uh, 1700 palm cards and put 70 posters near unhoused encampment entrances also to reach audience of unhoused people. Um, I want to mention that we have some new items which are also branded with our new logo. So we're, these items are specifically about increasing visibility uh, for different types of road users. Uh, we're distributing these to unhoused people, but also to our staff. So um, you may see some of our staff on the roadway using these as well. And we partnered with Beautify FJ, SJ and uh, the PRNS and want to uh, thank Neil's team for uh, helping us distribute these flashlights and lanterns to 225 unhoused people at 15 locations. Um, and our, we hear that they'll be working with us to do more soon, which is great. So uh, we're excited for this new initiative. Moving to uh, implementing quick build data-driven safety improvements, I would like to hand the microphone off to uh, Vu Dao from BOT. Thank you, Jesse. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, Madam Vice Chair, and members of the task force. My name is Vu Dao. I am an engineer with the City of San Jose Department of Transportation. Implementing um, safety improvements using quick build approach in, is a focus area under the Vision Zero Action Plan. Uh, this past month, we completed 2.3 miles of quick build improvements on Hillsdale Avenue a Vision Zero Priority Safety Corridor, where we leverage our payment program in conjunction with the funding from the VTA Transportation Fund for Clean Air Grant to implement this project. We would like to highlight some key elements that we had implemented. Uh, as you may know, Hillsdale Avenue was a very wide roadway with high vehicular speeds. In this project, we remove the access travel lane and reallocate uh, the space to establish a new and high quality bike lane. In the center image below, you can see that we provide amber of buffer space for bicyclists. Uh, and where feasible, we also install plastic posts to provide a vertical separation between the bicyclists and the fast moving traffic. 
And in some areas, we use park vehicles as a separator to provide greater protection. We also upgraded all the crosswalk to high visibility, as you see in the image to the bottom left. We also striped the bike lanes through the intersection and at all approaches to the intersection using green color to create more emphasis for bicycle spacing. And we also replace all the traffic signal head back, back plates uh, with the retroreflective yellow ones to increase their vis visibility, as you can see in the image. The other key element is the quick build median island, where we convert the space in the middle of the street to a median island using quick build material. And this will reduce the vehicle conflict points along the corridor and make the street narrower. And that will help make speed less enticing along this corridor. So those are the key elements that we implemented as part of this quick build project. We are continuing to monitor the improvements, assess and make the adjustment accordingly where necessary. And that's the beauty of quick build. Uh, we can make adjustments, modifications with ease to address a need or to make it better. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you this project. Jesse, back to you. Thank you. Um, as I move into the last slide, I just want to highlight that the quick build program uh, that Vu's team leads has uh, city funds from when we adopted the 2020 action plan. Uh, and so that this type of project can be done on the corridors that are designated as priority safety corridors. Um, the last area of the action plan is to prioritize resources on high fatal and severe injury, what KSI stands for, um, corridors and districts. And so these grant applications are for typically for doing capital work, which is the more expensive type of uh, roadway redesign and also much more expensive. So um, we wanted to highlight some of our recent grant applications, one of which is actually an award. We received a $10 million state earmark for safety improvements on Center Road, which is very exciting. Uh, that is the first road that underwent the quick build redesign in 2020, 2021. Um, we've always had this consultant design to uh, build it out once we saw how the quick build was working. Um, and so this 10 million state earmark will let us begin to do that but i should say that to build out even one road is far more expensive than 10 million dollars and so the 10 million dollar earmark while amazing is um, not as much as we need to do that project um, so we've also applied under the bay area metropolitan transportation commission's uh, one bay area grant program for a number of streets in San Jose, including three priority safety corridors in East San Jose, which are Jackson Avenue, White Road, and King Road, we're waiting to find out how those applications go. Um, there's also two deadlines coming up. Uh, one is for the Federal Highway Administration's Highway Safety Improvement Program, um, otherwise known as HSIP. And so I, I should update the may apply is that we will apply uh, for that under the signals division uh, to do some work and perhaps also under street redesign. Um, HSIP program grants in the Bay Area in recent years have been less than a million dollars generally. So um, the amount of stuff that we can do with one of these grants is generally lower. 
Um, but one of the exciting new developments is that the United States Department of Transportation, so the agency that oversees the Federal Highway Administration, has a new safety grant called Safe Streets for All. And uh, since we have a Mature Vision Zero program, we are eligible to apply for one of the big grants through that. Um, it requires having a joint applicant. And so our joint applicant will be Santa Clara, the Santa Clara County Departments of Roads and Airports, one of our partners here on this task force. And we uh, are required in applying for that program to have what's called a local match which is where cities have to put up some money to apply for a bigger grant. Um, and so a 20% local match is required on that grant. And so we need to have a lot of money sort of sitting around as it were. And so the plan is to use the uh, new earmark that we just received from the state as the local match in that application. Um, and so we'll be applying to make safety improvements, pedestrian and bike uh, oriented, especially on the priority safety corridors, especially on Center Road. Um, and there are some counties, at least one county intersection uh, that would be affected by that. So we're excited to work with the county uh, on this application. And so uh, that is my last slide for this section. And so I'll pass the mic back to you, Council Member. Thank you, Jesse. Um, okay, we will now open it up for brief discussion or questions from any of our task force members. And I see Vice Chair Foley has her hand up. Thank you, Council Member. Um, I do have a couple of questions. Uh, one, Jesse, can you go to the uh, fatality slide? I just want to highlight the ages of some of the, of the pedestrians. Can you review those numbers with me? I know it was there. But for the people who are watching this, they might not have noticed that the age was available. Are, so are we um, tracking of the pedestrians? We have several who are over 50. Are we, uh, can we, and in this report, it's, which is really detailed, it's very helpful and it shows who was in a crosswalk, who wasn't and how, um, and their ages. But I want to point out that in some of these areas, we may want to, when we're looking at making those intersections safer, increase the crosswalk, the lights, and make it easier for someone who's uh, has mobility issues to give them enough time to cross the street for the for the drivers. So I just wanted to point out that that in this slide, we do have a list of the ages and where they were when the fatality occurred so that we could take a look at and approve, the, approve those things. And I, I also wanna mention that um, as with Council Member Perales, our pedestrian safety is extremely important to me. And one of the things that I have been pushing out in my district is asking residents to let me know what intersections or streets are of most concern to them. And I actually had office hours a couple of weeks ago and challenged neighbors, what's the 10 streets that need more safety precautions in District 9? And I got a whole list. So we'll be looking at that and going through those with, with the, the Department of Transportation later. Um, moving on from this slide, which is, which is very helpful, thank you. I do wanna ask about uh, traffic enforcement and the TEU, the Traffic Enforcement Unit. 
I know uh, during the budget, we allocated additional funds to increase that unit, but can you give us an update on where we are in staffing? Hey, Sergeant Gates, yes, I can answer that for you. Thank Currently, you. Uh, we just lost, as you know, uh, Lieutenant Anayas uh, has retired. Um, and good for the department, unfortunately for us, two of our officers were just recently promoted to sergeant. Uh, so we lost two more officers, which will bring us down to two teams of enforcement with a sergeant on each team. And then we'll have seven officers on, on each one of those teams. So a total of 14 enforcement officers, two enforcement sergeants. And we still have our special events team, which is made up of one sergeant and two officers. Okay. And we approved staff. You have staffing for how many? 14 is uh, what you have filling those slots. Is that right? That or is what we have currently, fund. yes. That, and that's the, but did we improve the uh, increased funding beyond that or no? I know we have several unfilled positions. I okay. don't know what that total number is though. Okay, very good. I think that's really key. Uh, we often get questions about enforcement and uh, your officers are doing a fabulous job, but we are understaffed definitely in the traffic enforcement unit. And we have a lot of cars speeding on our major streets, on our neighborhoods, and it's a uh, very alarming what we have as far as uh, pedestrian safety, uh, pedestrian deaths in relation to speed. And I know you're doing everything you can. I just want to uh, get a little more information as to how many officers we have. So really we have seven officers per unit and uh, two sergeants. Is that right? 14 plus two? Yes, and then, one, and one, then you said one day shift and one special shift. Yeah. Yeah, those are for our planning, our major events and whatnot. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Vu, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Hillsdale. Uh, that is in District 9, and thank you very much for uh, all the quick build activity on that street. I've heard a lot of positive comments as the council member that represents that area. I've also heard some frustrations from people, and I've encouraged people to live with it for a while. Change is hard for us to adapt to, but ultimately this will make our streets safer and slow down traffic, which is our goal. I have a question uh, because we're getting a lot of questions from people about why is it this happening? Why do you do that? And, and even myself, I've noticed as I drive down Hillsdale, some of the um, odd restrictions on on turning. Um, so just one in particular, I've noticed that in the middle of Hillsdale, there's uh, uh, all these candlesticks that prevent turning in the median strip, which is great. I understand why, but there are a couple that, that do have left turn lanes, but the left turn doesn't go anywhere. There's not a street there, so they have to make a U-turn. Can you tell me why that was, why that would have been? Thank you, Vice um, Chair, for the question. Yes. So the candlestick that you're referring to are the yellow um, posts that we put up to emulate 
the Meaden Island uh, for this roadway. So for a wider uh, roadway such as Hillsdale, it is fundamental and very typical to have a vertical separator uh, to separate the lanes in each direction. In uh, areas where we have the opening, like you indicated, uh, that is to reserve for uh, drivers to be able to make a U-turn. Uh, in most cases where we have the opening is to provide for U-turn and also left turn into the neighborhood because there are many intersection along this long corridor, the intent of putting in the median island, uh, one is to create a separation, two is to eliminate the conflicts where vehicles can previously use to make U-turn or left turn almost anywhere along the corridor. And that increased the likelihood and the chance of vehicles getting into a crash. By eliminating that, we reduce the risk, hence increase the safety along the corridor. So the opening is to allow for drivers to be able to make a U-turn or left turn to go back to um, their destination or to get to their destination. Uh, and it is, it is strategically chosen uh, to, to allow those maneuvers at those openings. Okay, very good. Uh, personally, I, I really like the candlesticks at the median. I think it does make our, the median strip safer. There uh, were a lot of accidents in the middle of that median strip. And, and I, I think what you've done is really good. I also like that it's quick build and that it can be a work in progress. So as, as people report to us, we're reporting to you and you've been very responsive. But let me ask you a question about that. So when, when we hear from the community, uh, such as why when I turn on this intersection from Almaden Expressway to Cherry, for example, do I have to make that sharp turn? How long does it take you then to analyze it, assess it, and determine, no, that's a good thing to keep that way or to change it? What so, kind of timing should we be prepared for? Thank you for the question. So our team has been uh, responding to resident concerns. Our, our team is currently um, uh, working and responding to their concern as they arise. Uh, and we uh, have been responding within a week to two weeks in regards to looking at and assessing the, the, the issue. And um, typically it's takes about a week to two weeks for us to uh, look at the concern. And if it is a quick um, a fix or tweak, we can do it within two weeks in terms of moving the balls, minus striping changes or adding in a sign. So typically one week to three weeks uh, should be the time frame that we are shooting for. Uh, depending on the uh, the safety concern. If we assess it and we see that it is something that we need to address right away, that is something that we can do uh, faster or quicker than things that we see that it is not an imminent, 
imminent concern, then it can be uh, prioritized accordingly, but typically within weeks. Okay, thank you. That That's really helpful. I, again, I am very supportive of all the work that has been done on Hillsdale to slow it down and make it a safer corridor for uh, drivers and pedestrians. I, I think the work is great. And for the most part, the community is too, uh, but change is hard. And one question I have is, uh, and maybe you can help answer it for me so that when I get asked this question, I can have a, an educated answer for them. If you look in this picture, uh, the, the slide, the picture on the left, that has uh, the bicycle lane is in between the curb and the traffic or the park the park cars so you see the the rv right there that is the outside of the bike lane but most of hillsdale has been restriped with the bike lane outside of the parked cars why would what's the thinking behind having the cars um the bike lane closest to the curb and then the bike lane away from the curb Yes, thank you for for your question. So there are uh, two type of uh, protected bike lanes that uh, we implement uh, on Hillsdale. Uh, in the image in the center that that you see here, where we kept the bike lane uh, closer to the curb, uh, and uh, the balls to the left of the bicyclist. So this is the typical setup that you see out uh, on Hillsdale, where there's no parking we can remove um, excuse me, we can put in the ballers. In cases where we, um, there are parking that we, we utilize the parking and move the parking away from the curb and sandwich the bike lane between the curb and the, the park vehicles to provide more protection for the bicyclists. Now, there, that is only, it, in certain area of hills there that we were able to do it, especially in the area where there are no driveways or no bus uh, stops where we can shift the parking to the outside to provide more protection. Uh, so imagine for a moment that the left of the bicyclist now is a long row of vehicles parked there where the bicyclist will feel a lot safer because it is a vertical fixed protection for them to ride along this roadway. So only in several segments of Hillsdale that we were able to use the park vehicles as a vertical separator. In most cases, we are only using the post as a separator to provide that protection for the bicyclists. Right. Thank you so much. That explanation is very helpful for particularly in the areas that have driveways and bus stops. I hadn't considered that that's why you might be having one protected bike lane uh, strategy versus another. R really helpful and that will help us answer this question out in the field. Uh, with that, I, I really appreciate this report and look forward to discussing ways on how we can continue to keep making our streets safer for pedestrians and for all of those on our roads, but let's work to slow traffic down. I think that's key. Thank you very much.
Thank you. I'm finished, Chair. I did see Joe Glenn from AARP had his hand up, but he put it down. Joe, did you want to add something, or are you okay now? Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, yes, I, a couple of comments. First, uh, appreciate Vice Chair uh, Foley pointing out the uh, age uh, metric, and if we add all of the fatalities uh, this year, um, about 46% were of, of, of older adults, 50 plus. But the real alarming uh, contributor is the pedestrian fatalities, of which 56% of our pedestrian fatalities are older adults. And uh, ARP certainly has taken note of that. And uh, we certainly would like to follow up with the successful Safe Streets Town Hall uh, that, uh, that you organized, that both uh, Vice Chair and Chair organized earlier this year. Uh, to leverage ARP's uh, reach in the community with over 70,000 members in San Jose and a fairly strong uh, social media presence. So as we turn from the analytics to more and more community outreach, ARP in San Jose would certainly like to offer uh, its resources to uh, assist in reaching the older adults in the community uh, with whatever action plan uh, comes out uh, and so we're very interested to hear the next segment of this task force meeting on specific uh, community outreach, outreach plans so that we can uh, engage and participate. Thank you for the time. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Okay, I don't see any other hands from task force members. Um, I just had a couple questions and, and comments. Um, Jesse, on the, the grant that we uh, submitted for, and it looks like we have a, a co um, or a co applicant on that, right? And so I think that's great that we're partnering with roads and airports at the county on that. My question was um, if there's any concern with the fact that our local match is coming from the state ear earmark, if you're aware of that. Uh, no, we think that a state earmark is considered uh, eligible funding source for the local match. Okay. Um, if we could just get a more confident uh, answer on that. Um, uh, as far or rather, as we, we, yes, we've checked. We, 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 we know it would be, <laughs> yes. would be solid for me. So. We know. Yes, yes, yes. Our, um, we have a grants team at DOT and they've checked. Okay, perfect. And then... Is there any opportunity for, say, other task force members to write in letters of support for this grant or other grants that we may be applying for or be a partner? Absolutely, yes. We will be writing all of the task force members to ask them to write us letters of support, especially for that one. Okay, so um, that is good news then, and hopefully uh, everybody that's present today, um, I'll, I'll reiterate that, uh, hopefully everybody's presence today is able to write a letter of recommendation um, uh, or a support letter for um, this particular grant that uh, our DOT and, and Santa Clara County Roads and Airports have co-applied for. Um, and then as those opportunities come up in the future, would love to have um, this task force be able to, to, you know, to be utilized to demonstrate support and, and hopefully uh, we can generate some more of these resources from these grants and then allow us to um, apply for more of, of these uh, projects to, to be funded. So um, 
that is helpful. And then um, I actually had the same question for Sergeant Gates, but I, it sounds like we may not uh, know exactly. I, I had recalled around um, 24 um, was the allocated um, uh, staffing uh, for our traffic enforcement unit and that we were you know we were a little less than 10 or so vacancies but now that we've lost uh the lieutenant and a couple other um officers that were promoted to sergeant had to uh, exit the unit um it's it's now likely going to be above 10 but I, i'm not 100 percent positive on that 24 number it sounds like sergeant uh gates wasn't positive either but i know we definitely have vacancies in TEU and we had them before. So now we have more um, because we, we've lost a couple of people. So uh, I will reiterate uh, individually in my meetings with the chief uh, that we wanna see that unit um, you know, as, as quick as possible, we fully staffed up. I know the challenges the chief had were, was just competing needs in other units, but at least if we can backfill the uh, um, officers that we just lost would, would be tremendous. And I know, uh, Sergeant Gates, you are um, you're acting lieutenant at the moment. That's why you're present with us today, right? So you're sort of double double duty. <laughs> that is correct, sir. Okay, and so that's obviously uh, you know not helpful either. I think right. We want to as as soon as possible. Hopefully, we can get um, you know get these these spots um, backfilled. So I'll, I'll make that note to talk to the chief myself and i know maybe uh councilmember foley as well so um that's it for my comments and questions councilmember foley did you have anything else yeah i thank you i just wanted to follow up on your letter of support i i wonder if jesse or staff or someone could provide us a template for the letter that would be helpful that way it would be really easy for us to get it out there uh, yes, we have a template and we will send everyone who, uh, after this meeting on the task force, uh, that template. Great. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. We will now move on then to um, our section four. Um, and uh, let's see, we'll be welcoming in now Rebecca Graham from MIG, uh, Dao Nguyen and Kyle Wong from our San Jose DOT. And as a reminder, we have 15 minutes uh, for each agency presentation here. Um, and then uh, there'll be uh, three different presentations from DOT for Center Road, McLaughlin Avenue, and White Road. And then we'll follow with uh, Q&A again. So I'll now turn it over to Rebe uh, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for um, handing this over. I'm just getting my slides ready. All right, so um, yes, we're eager, we're happy to be back. Thanks for having us back. I'm, like you said, um, Chair, Chair, I'm Rebecca Graham. I'm project manager for MIG. Uh, we've been working with the Vision Zero team on the strategic communications program for the past year. Uh, on that work, as well as Deanna Chow Trotter, who's also here in this meeting. She's the director of marketing strategy with MIG. And we're eager to share with this group what we've been up to. So all along, we've been working with what we call the Vision Zero San Jose team. It's comprised of representatives from the city, county, excuse me, and VTA. And so today, 
Oops. Today I'll review the project timeline, share what we've accomplished so far, which includes the research phase and campaign issue selection process, and we'll look ahead to the campaign development phase. So first off, here's a timeline of our work. When we last reported to the task force, we just began work with the Vision Zero team. We were kicking off our research phase about which I'll share more in just a moment. In the strategy phase, we developed and delivered a communication strategy and brand identity for the Vision Zero project team. Uh, and you've seen that throughout this meeting, that presentation and uh, branding look. Today, I'll share important information about a big milestone, which was selecting the traffic safety issue for our first campaign. I'll give you an outline of how we did that and what issue we chose. And all of that is in preparation for our inaugural campaign scheduled for 2023. And now that the strategy phase is completed, we'll move into the campaign development phase. All right, so a quick level, high level recap of what we accomplished in the research phase. There were two tasks an opinion research study, and a crash profiles analysis. Our first task was to establish a baseline understanding of street safety attitudes. So with EMC research, we surveyed San Jose residents during January and February of this year. The method used was address-based sampling, which is different than outreach in that it works to collect a random sample and representative sample of San Jose residents. So for a population San Jose size, we were aiming for a sample of 600 to 800 residents or respondents, sorry, and achieved a sample size of 800, which is representative of the city's population and can provide a statistically significant sample with an overall margin of error of plus or minus 3.5%. The sample then was, is aligned with San Jose demographic data by gender, age, race, ethnicity, these roughly follow census numbers for the categories that are shown here. And respondents are from these city regions in order that the baseline is also representative of opinions geographically. In street safety scenarios, of course, different issues affect different regions and people differently. So it's important that we're representative across both. All right, you're probably eager to find out what we discovered. Um, some of the highlights, only 25% of residents were able to identify Vision Zero as a street safety initiative. There's definitely room for growth there. Um, the findings from this quantitative study also revealed traffic safety opinions and attitudes across the city. So here's a sampling. Most adults, 91%, drive once a week. People in San Jose are concerned about speeding and 77% agree that city streets would be safer for biking and walking if people drove more slowly. And 71% agree that speeding is the leading cause of traffic collisions in San Jose. Overall, we learned residents do have concerns about road safety, especially around major roadways. The safety concerns that came up most were distracted driving, red light running and speeding. And then 71% agree that speeding is a leading cause. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but most San Jose residents are open to making safety improvements for pedestrians and bicyclists, bicyclists, even if it presents some inconvenience for cars. I think we just heard about that. That's holy. All right, these insights help shape our Vision Zero communications, of course, and they serve as a baseline to measure us, measure against as we begin to educate and encourage 
safer traffic behaviors. We also wanted to look at crash instances on the streets. So uh, at the same time the survey was being administered, our partner Fair and Peers analyzed the past six years of crash data, 2016 to 2021, to provide our second research piece, the San Jose City Crash Profiles. These profiles describe the most common situations that cause injuries and deaths on, on San Jose streets. In those, they noted particular crash types and roadway types where most crashes occur, as well as incidents involving people walking, rolling on bikes. Speeding was the most common factor in crashes where people were killed or severely injured, which as Jesse described, shown as KSI here. So what's notable also about these is that speeding is a top violation for every one of the top crash profiles identified by Farron Pierce. Um, I've just given you a very high level overview of both of our research phases, but the full there are full reports for both, which you can uh, request from MLA. All right, so then with that research completed, we move to strategy. We combine research findings with the city team's expertise and so to select a specific traffic safety issue, for instance, red light running. That issue will become the city's first Vision Zero branded multi-channel communications campaign. All right, we could take on any number of issues, but we wanna be strategic about which we choose first. So studies show, and we've seen in our work, that campaigns work best when integrated with other initiatives. The most effective behavior change, can, change campaigns direct multiple efforts toward addressing the same issue. For instance, integrating a bicycle safety awareness campaign with new bike lane infrastructure or speeding awareness with speed limits would be more effective than communications alone. Here's how we chose the issue. We convened an issue selection workshop with the Vision Zero team. At that time, we introduced six criteria to help inform the process and ensure that we're grounding our work in data and confirm that we're layering communications with other efforts by the city. All right, so what are the factors? One, we wanna make sure the issue we choose is prevalent. So the work has impact. We wanna start with the most common unsafe driving behaviors. Public perception is also key because people are more likely to engage with issues they recognize. Uh, San Jose, as you've heard today very much, is committed to quick builds and other long-term engineering interventions for safer streets. So the more we can leverage those, the better. Where, where unsafe behaviors are also illegal and citable, adding an enforcement angle can be a powerful assist to communications. If there are changes in policy or legislation, communications can help get the word out, which amplifies the new laws, as well as reinforcing the political will behind Vision Zero. Finally, whatever campaign we pursue, measurement lets us know the value, effectiveness, and reach we've achieved in the city's many communities and neighborhoods. All right, what emerged? Unsafe speeds. Were you about that now? So for prevalence, yes, speeding is the primary crash factor in injury and fatality crashes found in Fair and Pierce crash profiles. It's true that unsafe speeds lead to, lead to other unsafe behaviors like red light running, 
and speed importantly increases the likelihood that someone would be killed or severely injured in a crash on perception as i noted earlier 71 percent of respondents in our quantitative baselines strongly agreed that speeding is the leading cause of traffic collisions in san jose and we also see speeding or incidences of unsafe speeds in the news often as a key factor in a traffic death and finally, speeding is really easy to recognize. It's an identifiable driving behavior. Now to layering. San Jose is working on traffic engineering initiatives, excuse me, downtown and in other neighborhoods, and of course on priority safety corridors where cities committed to two miles of quick builds annually. Oops, I'm gonna tell you more about engineering. We've um, heard about road diets on Hillsdale, Branham, Quimby, Crosswalk enhancements like Midway Islands, pedestrian safety signage, striping and intersection improvements all work to slow speeds as well. So there's really strong engineering support. For enforcement, we can use existing radar signs, variable speed feedback signs, potentially targeted enforcement to bring home the message that speeding is against the law and dangerous. San Jose is already implementing lower speed limits in six business districts with AB 43. So the policy, the policy layer is there as well. This gives us an opportunity to promote safer behaviors while we announce those speed limit changes. Last but importantly, car speeds are one of the easiest driver behaviors to measure objectively. We have an opportunity to track speeds before and after the campaign rollout. So hooray, we've achieved this milestone in the campaign process. Unsafe speeds may seem like an obvious choice, but we did take a thorough review of opportunities across the six criteria to ensure we've chosen the most impactful and best aligned with existing city initiatives. All right, that was a lot about our process. I really appreciate listening to this comprehensive overview. Um, we wanted to just provide that update about what's gone into the project so far. What's next? This fall, we'll be working through campaign concepts. We're about to embark on a round of qualitative research, specifically on the topic of speeding. We'll start next week with focus groups. There'll be two in English, one each in Spanish and Vietnamese. And that'll help us to learn more about the motivations, concerns, why, and how of driver behavior. The groups also give us a chance to explore campaign messaging and imagery. So that research will give us a deeper understanding specific to San Jose that will inform the development of the campaign strategy and materials. So we'll present that to the task force, that campaign draft um, this fall. So thank you very much. Um, we are looking forward to sharing more about that campaign in November and um, as our development continues to unfold. I'll send it back to you or open the, or any thank you. task force member questions, yeah. We're gonna move on to the next presentation and then we'll come back for uh, questions. Sounds good. And I believe uh, next up we have Dao Win and Kyle Wong from our uh, San Jose DOT.
Uh, and uh, thank you, uh, Council Member Perales. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tha Huyen. I am an Associate Transportation Specialist managing and analyzing our data in the Vision Zero team. Uh, today, I'm going to present a preliminary project evaluation for Central Quick Build Improvements from Tolly Road to Monterey Road. Next slide. Uh, Santa Road is one of the city priority safety corridor with the highest number of severe and fatal crashes. To provide some context, you can see on the map where Santa Road is located in the city. Next slide. Center is a wide roadway that encourages high speeds on the corridors. There were long distances between marked crosswalks. The bike lanes were unprotected. That makes bicyclists feel unsafe. And the community also reported that they were often failed to yield to pedestrians and flashing beacons. Next slide. Uh, to address those issues, several improvements were implemented on Center Road. The city got a grant for Center Road Complete Street Study from Tully Road to Monterey Road in 2018. Uh, we did community engagement in 2019, and in 2020, under the new Vision Zero Action Plan, we had funds to build the recommendation with most of the improvements improvement from Turley to Monterey, including a lane reduction from six lanes to four lanes. So this segment from Turley to Monterey is also the focus of the preliminary project evaluation that we are reporting out today. Next slide. For the evaluation, we are going to look at San Jose police data and the qualitative post-project feedback from the communities. The project was in construction for a year from August 2020 to August 2021. There are two main segments of the project. We added bike lanes from Story to Turley. And from Turley to Monterey, not only we added buffer of protected bike lanes, but we also implemented lane reduction. Um, after the project completion in August 2021, as of now, we only have a complete data set for six months post-project from September 2021 to February 2022. Therefore, we compare six months after data to an average of six months of five years before data. Due to a short time since the project completion, the preliminary evaluation might not reflect the entire story of the project, but it is helpful to look at what has been done, what works, what needs more improvements so that we can proactively plan for the next step, especially with a lot of grants coming up this year. We will update this study when we have a full year of data. Next slide. The Center Road Complete Street Project implemented several improvements, including buffer and protected bike lanes, high visibility, high visibility crosswalks, and a lane reduction from Turley to Monterey. The image on this slide shows the before condition and the after project completion. As you can see, because the road was so wide before, there was space for speeding and unsafe driving behavior. The improvement on center helped remove the bottleneck that already existed and create a consistent two lanes with less merging for vehicles. That also means the speed will be more consistent throughout the corridors. Next slide. So now looking at the crash data, overall injury decreased after project completion. We see safety improvement for people biking and driving with the decrease on no changes in injuries 
acute and severe injuries of KSI and fatality. However, although the overall injuries decreased for people walking, um, there were increases in KSI and fatality. So there was one fatality and one severe injuries in the after period on Central from Turley to Monterey. The fatality happened at night in January 2022, uh, 250 feet north of Capital Expressway with a pedestrian crossing outside of Crosswalk. The city is working with the county roads and airport to improve center and capital intersections, and we will show the proposed improvement in a later slide. Next slide. We understand that six months is a small data size, so we also collected feedback from the communities. DOT staff talked to more than 200 people at 10 locations in November 2021 and April 2022. As a result, nearly all people walking and biking of all ages supported the improvement on center. 70% of drivers supported the project, 15% expressed concern with increased traffic, and 12% were not aware of the improvement. Next slide. Although the focus of the presentation is for the segments that we had most improvements, including a lane reduction from Turley to Monterey, we acknowledge that there were two recent fatalities on center, not of Turley Road. These fatalities happened um, in the segments that didn't have a lot of crashes and fatality before. That was the reason why center from Surrey to Turley was not included in the center road publicity study. Within the orange segments highlighted on the map, we didn't do a lot at Capital Expressway. But now, through the Vision Zero Task Force, we have more constant work relationship with County Roads and Airport, which is good. Uh, thank you for the uh, Task Force. We are co-applying um, for a federal grant with their recommendation for this intersection. Next slide. In terms of the next steps for Center Road, we recently received a 10 million state earmark, as Jesse mentioned, uh, to change the quick view uh, to permanent improvements. Although it is exciting to get this state earmark, it is estimated that we need at least 50 million for the permanent improvement on Center. Uh, therefore, as mentioned previously, we are applying with the county uh, for districts for all uh, grant application. The proposed improvement include implementing protected intersections removing slip ramps at Capital Expressways and Monterey Road, and we might also add new signals. And that brings us to the end of this evaluation. Thank you for your attention. All right, thank you. Hello, Mr. Chair, Madam Vice Chair, and members of the Vision Zero Task Force. Uh, my name is Kyle Wong. I'm a transportation specialist with the Department of Transportation Local Projects and Grants uh, team and I'll be presenting the McLaughlin Avenue and White Road preliminary project evaluations. Next slide. Uh, similar to Center Road, McLaughlin Avenue is a priority safety corridor identified in the Vision Zero Action Plan, and you can see where the project limits uh, are in this uh, map here. Next slide. The McLaughlin Avenue project was an opportunity to increase safety and prevent injury and fatalities by decreasing conflict points and slowing vehicle speeds and increasing pedestrian visibility along the roadways. Um, to help fund this project, the City of San Jose applied for the Highway Safety Improvement Program in 2015 and was awarded $2.5 million towards the project. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, 
The project was implemented along Olsley, uh, along McLaughlin Avenue from Olsley Avenue to Lupe Avenue from uh, July 2020 to November 2020, as seen here. Uh, next slide, please. The total project costs $5.3 million for around 2.6 miles of improvements, including uh, new streetlights, flashing beacons, bulb outs, median islands, and ADA ramps uh, throughout. And for this evaluation process, we're going to be looking at police crash data um, to measure changes before and after the implementation period. Next slide, please. This evaluation used one year of injury and fatality data from the project corridor uh, before, before, after, before data reviewed a one year average from 2015 to 2019. And the after data range included a full year of 2021 data. This left a one-month travel behavior adjustment period. Um, subsequent evaluations will include a full one-year adjustment period. Um, looking at the data, uh, there was an overall decrease in injuries for all modes, as shown in the top row for each category. Um, broken down by road users, we, can we see an increase in injury and KSI averages for people walking and biking due to one bike collision and one pedestrian involved collision at the Tolly mclaughlin intersection, which I will talk about in the next slide. Uh, when looking at injuries uh, for motor vehicle occupants and motorcycle riders, there was a general decrease for, all, for injuries, KSI, and fatalities. Uh, next slide, please. Taking a closer look at the corridor, key project elements included the streetlights, flashing beacons at intersections at Audubon Drive, Ottawood Drive, Umbarger, and Panoche. And there were concrete medians installed throughout the corridor. Um, from 2015 to 2019, there were a total of seven fatalities. Um, this included a collision at Creston Avenue that resulted in two fatal injuries. In 2021, there were two fatal collisions, uh, both at the Tolly McLaughlin intersection. Um, these collisions included one bicycle fatality in March 2021 involving an unsafe uh, turn movement at the Tolly intersection, and one walking fatality in October 2021 involving speeding at the Tolly intersection um, at night. Our local project team will be starting a safety project um, along, along the Tolly corridor. That'll be including a um, high visibility crosswalk as well as some green bike striping at the intersection. And this project is entering construction in 2023. Next slide, please. This preliminary, preliminary evaluation of the McLaughlin project showed a general decrease in injury crashes overall. Um, all fatalities within this data collection post period occurred at the intersection uh, at Tolly Road. And uh, we will be installing some um, striping improvements at this intersection in 2023. Uh, to recap, we will try to capture a full one-year adjustment period in uh, any subsequent evaluations for this project. And that concludes the McLaughlin uh, preliminary evaluation, and we can move on to White Road. So our final evaluation for today is for the White Road Road project. Uh, next slide, please. 
White Road is also safe property safety corridor. Um, and as you can see in this map, the project in this evaluation uh, focused on the northern portion of the corridor, highlighted in red. Next slide, please. This project is partially funded by the Highway Safety Improvement Program, which DOT applied for in 2016. Uh, this uh, grant funded a total of uh, $1.2 million and aimed to um, target Pat the intersection of Pat Avenue and Rose Avenue. Next slide, please. The total project cost was $1.3 million for the two capital intersection improvements and two miles worth of striping. Uh, the intersection improvements included flashing beacons and streetlights at Pat Avenue and Rose Avenue, as well as a pedestrian island at Pat Avenue. The improvements were implemented from October 2020 to May 2021, and we'll be using uh, police department crash data as well for this evaluation. Next slide, please. Uh, this evaluation uh, used a nine uh, used a nine month window of post data from June twenty twenty one to uh, February twenty twenty two due to the short time frame between this evaluation and project completion. Uh, we looked at uh, the similar time frame for the pre years uh, from June 15, 2015 to February 2022. Um, and as you can see here, we focused at the two intersections where the improvements, uh, where most of the improvements are, uh, were installed. Uh, when broken down by mode, uh, walking and driving decreased in average KSI at uh, Pat Avenue, uh, while biking uh, related KSIs stayed the same, um, zero to zero. And at Rose Avenue, that average KSI for pedestrians and bikers uh, stayed the same from zero to zero while decreasing for motor vehicles. Next slide, please. Then we have limited data. The overall decrease in KSI at the key project intersections are promising. We will update the study when we have more data in the future. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to present these evaluations, and that concludes our preliminary evaluations. Uh, thank you to um, all the presenters in the section and on the uh, project evaluations uh, to Tao and Kyle. I just want to uh, talk a little briefly about uh, sort of their context. The first time we've done project evaluations recently, we've created a new template for it. Um, the scale of these projects are quite different. The one that uh, Tao presented about center is a you know quick build and also capital project, so multiple types of projects put together. Um, the uh, McLaughlin project was, and also the White project were based on the capital HSIP program, and we applied for this grant in 2015, and not took, it takes about five years to build a capital project. So they got built in 2020-2021. Um, and in some cases, particularly for the White Road Project, it's a smaller project really affecting mainly two intersections and smaller intersections. So um, although we presented these together, the projects themselves are quite different. And evaluating projects is really important to uh, shape the direction of where we're going from here and sort of helping us understand how we can improve from here. 
how these projects are performing compared to their goals um, and how we can use that to direct our grant applications, for example, to um, and also our quick build work to make for future improvements. So as um, we went into this section talking about Center Road and our grant applications, we can use this evaluation as we continue to apply for the capital grants there. Um, finally, we have uh, upcoming evaluations of uh, projects that are more recently implemented and don't yet have enough after data or are not complete yet, so then don't have after data. Um, but some of the ones that we uh, think that we'll be presenting on in the future are Story Road, Hillsdale Avenue, which we had a slide about earlier in this presentation, and Branham Lane. Um, so I will now hand the mic back over to uh, Chair Perales. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you uh, to our presenters. Um, some milestones, I think, that we've made with this this latest presentation, um, both on obviously our focus, which I think no surprise, right? Speeding certainly across the board, we've all recognized um, is uh, the the most uh, major contributing factor, and so I'm excited about that. But it's certainly milestone, and then also on the reports back on. Um, even if we're only looking at small snapshots, six months, nine months, you know, maybe a year at most right now, it, it's really important, I think, to continually monitor um, the uh, improvements that we are completing and then see, you know, um, both the quantitative and qualitative data on, on, on how it's going. And, and also, I would say, I'll add, seeing just the pictures, just the images um, is you can tell, right, the before and after. Um, Put yourself in that intersection as a driver or pedestrian wanting to cross the street um and it's it, you know it is blatantly obvious how much safer these intersections are um i i, I recall um living near uh the, the in the sofa district near market and william street when a um an enhanced uh, crosswalk was put in uh with a with a uh, median island there um and, um, and and the flashing beacons and just um, you know at that point I had a young you know child crossing uh, in a stroller and almost every time before that was input uh, cars you know dozens of cars would drive by before even recognizing somebody with a stroller. After that was put in, not only did we do we feel safer, almost immediately cars would notice us because the flashing beacons are going off right and it in, in the in the visibility at, at that uh intersection um for recognizing pedestrians crossing was so much greater um and uh, and so i just i i recognize personally and have experienced the, the benefits of these investments and and i would say that you know we love the quick build because it's a quick way to get in there but you can see the, the true benefit of the capital project, the permanent projects being placed in, and just the, the I think the magnitude that that brings in on, on the benefit. So um, I will pass it over now to any members of the, the task force. I see Sergeant Gates has his hand up. Uh, thank you, sir. Just wanted to follow up with uh, Vice Chairman Foley's question about staffing authorized for traffic enforcement. Uh, currently we are authorized 30 total um, sworn staff that includes one lieutenant, six sergeant, and 23 officers. Thank you, Sergeant. I was almost right. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, any other questions or comments 
and this is on the last three presentations that we had. Um, and so I see our vice chair. Thank you. I just had, thank you, Sergeant, for that report. I appreciate getting the updated numbers on that. Um, or is it Lieutenant and I just dropped you down a rank? I apologize if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just had a question. I'm really excited to see the campaign issue be selected and going forward. I had a question about the focus groups, Rebecca. How did how were members of the uh, focus group selected? Can we invite others to participate in the focus groups? And if so, how? And how can we get involved or how can we let our community know to get involved in the focus groups? For that one, um, I, we have Sarah Labatt, who is here from EMC Research. Um, she is our expert on how to make sure that research is effective and representative and all of those important factors. So Sarah, I see you unmuted. Will you take it away? Yes, thank you, Rebecca. And sorry, I'm not on camera, I'm outdoors. Uh, so I'll just stay here. Hopefully you all can hear me okay. Um, thank you for the question. Uh, focus groups are really a qualitative research tool where we're it's different from a public engagement meeting where we want lots of people to come who are super engaged rather we specifically are recruiting members of the public essentially at random they're not sourced from um, any lists of people that are interested in this topic rather they are drivers in san jose that meet uh, the criteria for the recruit um, which were fairly loose criteria essentially uh, looking for people who were willing to admit uh, some level of, I might not be the best, most responsible driver that always goes under the speed limit. Really based on the quantitative research we identified, um, there's a group that are sort of gonna be very closed off to a conversation about uh, speeding and behavior change. And we thought that they in a focus group might be a little bit uh, derailing of the discussion about materials and messages. And so we're really recruiting people who have an uh, an open mind and a willingness to uh, consider their behavior. Um, so the, the recruits come from essentially random lists of residents. Uh, as Rebecca mentioned, we're doing two in English. Those are split, one with men and one with women. And then we're doing one in Vietnamese and one in Spanish. And each group uh, is recruited to include a diversity of residents um, that meet those criteria with respect to uh, demographics, age, uh, uh, ethnicity uh, to the degree possible in the English groups, uh, geography within the city, so making sure we represent various areas. So these aren't um, the kinds of things that we are opening invitations to the public uh, or to interested parties. Rather, it's intentionally people who this isn't the thing they think about every day, and we're bringing them in to show them some of these materials uh, and get their reaction and understand, you know, does this get the attention we're looking for? Does this open people's minds? I hope that answers your question. It, it does, and Sarah, maybe I can uh, dig into that a little bit. So you're looking for people who you can work on message, messaging that might be successful in altering behavior. Is that what you're you're looking for? Or what is that what these focus groups will be designed on is coming up with words and strategies on things that will be, that resonate with them that will uh, allow them to, or make them think about changing their behavior? Is that how you approach this? 
Yeah, we're, we're really recruiting for people who are willing to walk in and have an honest conversation uh, and have an open mind, both about uh, their own behaviors as well as their concerns, their uh, relationship to speeding and driving in San Jose, their understanding of the problem. Um, we did an extensive quantitative survey where we were able to quantify a lot of attitudes from uh, residents in San Jose. And so this is really kind of looking more in depth at some of those attitudes, but also um, putting in front of them some uh, visuals, some uh, phrases, that uh, might be part of the eventual campaign itself to get their reaction. And, you know, it's very hard to get someone to say, oh, I see that, I will change my behavior. So really what we're looking for in this is a combination of their responses, but also how they, uh, their emotional reactions to what we put in front of them, their interest in it, their discussion about what draws their attention. Um, we're showing, anticipating showing a range of types of imagery and messages um, with the intent of feeding all of that back into MIG's process of designing the actual campaign. Uh, so it's it's not um, asking them to change their behavior because mostly you'll get, no, I will never. But uh, really it's about understanding the impact these images can have and more discussion about speeding can have on how they talk about it, um, their level of concern and their sort of emotional relationship to the issue. That's really good information. I look for the next report that we give. And, and I will just add that I hope that we're talking to, or that some of the people on the focus group will be parents who are driving their kids to schools, because that's where we see a lot of dangerous behavior as parents run late to get to dropping their kids off, dropping their kids off, uh, speeding down the neighborhoods as they try to get to school. So uh, it dawns on me now that school is in session for a couple of weeks that we need to really make sure that we get parents involved in the, this, this uh, notion that we need to change behavior and be more cautious about driving. But thank you for that. That's really good information. I look forward to the, re the next report at our next task force meeting. Okay, thank you. All right. Don't see any other hands up from the task force members. Um, I just want to say thank you again for um, the report back and um, and certainly uh, look forward to updates, continual updates on these uh, improvements that we're making and being able to, to analyze the, the data um, pre and post improvement. Okay. Um, now, we'll move down to our announcement section, and uh, we'll do quick announcements before we go over to public comment. And um, I have one announcement, and then if anybody has an announcement on the task force, you can raise your hand. Um, today, in front of City Hall, the rotunda uh, in our plaza, um, uh, my office, along with the United Lowrider Council of San Jose, will be uh, hosting a celebration uh, celebrating the repeal of our um, uh, no cruising ordinance. And there will be uh, over, likely over 200. Uh, we have almost 200 official uh, lowriders in the in the program, but uh, we we expect a lot more um, parked uh, throughout the downtown core. Um, but we'll be celebrating that uh, starting at 4 p.m. today, 4 to 8 p.m. So if you're in and around 
City Hall, come by um, and take a look. It'll be a historic event for City City Hall. It'll be our first uh, uh, official uh, car show there. <laughs> um, any other announcements? Not seeing any. Okay, so now we will move on to our open forum. And uh, we invite anybody from the public uh, to speak on any items uh, that we uh, discussed today um, or other uh, comments um, you'd like to make. And please adhere to our code of conduct. Um, like uh, for you to um, address uh, the full task force and uh, request to engage with the chair, the co-chair, task force members um, individually will not be honored. Abusive language uh, is inappropriate. A repeated failure to comply with the code of conduct, which will disturb, disrupt, or impede the orderly conduct of the meeting may result in a removal from the meeting. And for those uh, that have not participated in uh, a Zoom meeting with us, you can use the raise hand feature down on your toolbar, or if you're calling in, use the uh, star nine uh, to raise your hand and star six to unmute yourself. And our DOT staff will instruct you to unmute yourself and when you may speak. And we are going to limit speakers to two minutes. And, um, and then I'll ask our uh, panelists not to engage until we've completed with all of our speakers. And uh, now I'll turn it over to Anna Lee from our Department of Transportation uh, to run the open forum. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Tav, you can bring up this uh, timer for us? Yes, sure. Okay, our first um, speaker, Mary Lou, please unmute yourself. Maybe second. You can unmute yourself, Mary Lou. Uh, good morning. Um, Vision Zero uh, representatives, I appreciate being able to speak with you today. My name is Mary Lou Avanzino and I am car free. I use my bicycle for transportation. Uh, I'm, uh, I would like to address um, the answer that Mr. Vu from DOT gave the Councilwoman Foley regarding why bike lanes on some parts of the bike lane on Hillsdale is sandwiched between the curb and parked cars. Mr. Vu spoke as if this was a good design. This design is, has been built on Lean Avenue, New, Lean Avenue there, uh, between Blossom Hill and, and also on Vista Park Drive near Communication Hill. I found this design not, underlined not to be successful, and here are four reasons why. It traps the bicyclists in a narrow channel between the curb and the passenger side of parked cars, giving the bicyclists not a quick way that they can exit if they come, become a, come upon trash or glass or a passenger car door opening. Number two, the city does not keep this narrow bike lane clean, often doesn't keep it clean because it doesn't have enough narrow street cleaners or enough staff. How do I know this? Because I call the city street cleaners regarding these narrow trapped bike channels and they tell me the reason why they don't keep it clean. They promise a manual cleaning, but sometimes that manual cleaning doesn't happen. Third, cars parked in this bike lane on uh, cars park in this bike lane on Edenvale because Edenvale, no, it's on Lean. Cars park in this bike lane on Lean Avenue because there are so many cars that use street parking. And here are placards that I have that I keep stocked on my bicycle to put on their windshields to ask them to please keep the bike lane clean. 
Fourth, and finally, San Jose does not have traffic enforcement that enforces the removal of these illegally parked cars. Yesterday, the city of Santa Christine, if you would like to unmute yourself. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Uh, so thank you for this very informative uh, forum. Uh, I couldn't agree more with uh, what council member fully brought to everybody's attention about seniors uh, potentially being hit. I'd like to also offer up those with mobility impairment and who are using different kinds of mobility devices. And I'd also like to suggest a couple of other things really quickly. Number one, bring in the disability community to help with these designs. Uh, I would more than happy, be more than happy to assist with that since I work with the Silicon Valley Independent Living Center as a community advocate. Uh, and lastly, uh, as was just mentioned, having the, the bike corridor um, in between cars and the curb also impacts those that have disabilities in that if you're trying to transfer from a, a chair to a car, forget it, uh, and also uh, the visibility factor. So we need to make sure that folks that have, that are in wheelchairs, et cetera, can be visually seen at the corners because that's typically where we're gonna get hit. Thanks so much. Thank you, Christine. Gail. Hi, good morning, everybody. What a wonderful meeting. A lot of good work is happening. Thank you so much. I'm uh, Gail Osmer with the SourceWise Advisory um, Committee. I'm on the trans subcommittee of uh, transportation, and I have a couple questions. Number one, I was wondering, can outside groups like SourceWise um, support and write a letter of, you know, write support this and write the letter of support or the grant? Um, maybe you can answer that later. And um, number two, um, how are we going to start engaging with, like uh, Joe Glenn was saying, uh, the community outreach for seniors? This is very important. And uh, we at SourceWise would like to be part of that if possible um, and help in getting the word out and maybe having start having some meetings with um, seniors and senior groups. Um, number three, I was going to also ask Sarah, um, I know they can't answer right now, but I wondered if, um, for the focus group, I wondered if you reached out to any unhoused folks. Um, that's all, and this is a great meeting. Thank you, everybody, for all the work you've done. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. Blair, would you like to unmute yourself? Hi, Blair Beekman here. Uh, thanks for the meeting today. Uh, I really like the public commenters today. I haven't heard the first public commenter speak before. She had some really interesting good ideas. I hope she can return uh, to the public comment space. Thank you for her words. The second public comment commenter very nicely brought up uh, what uh, Councilperson Foley very nicely uh, made point to uh, 
thank you that we're talking about uh, senior issues. And with Gail's words, uh, I think to go into uh, the, the gist of my feelings of public comment time today, the first half of the meeting was about issues of, of KSI statistics and uh, the use of uh, your questions of how to develop the future of your grant funding programming issues. And I think it's just a really, really important reminder that uh, we're developing a new way to use uh, statistics in San Jose and with KSI statistics. So we're learning to include homeless people more in, in the KSI numbers. And we just have to offer that as we talk about our statistics, I feel. Uh, you know, it's skewing how to talk about the grant issues as much as we need the grant issues. We have to be honest with those statistics with each other. And I, I, I just can't emphasize that enough over the next few years until this evens itself out. Um, we just have to be honest about it and good luck in those efforts to do that and clarify ourselves as we talk about uh, statistics use. And um, with that said, uh, really a good luck in my love of, of openness and accountability with uh, surveillance technology and data collection. I think it can really help organize how you have to make decisions about uh, Vision Zero policies. And that San Jose is making some good strides in those efforts with equity ideas as data collection. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Blair. Iman, would you like to unmute yourself? I would love to unmute myself. Uh, thank you everyone for your presentations. Very interesting meeting. I want to talk about the Hillsdale presentation that we saw earlier. Um, you know, you, you can't drive over a bridge if one section is missing. The whole bridge has to be complete. And my concern about the Hillsdale design is that it alternates between protected and unprotected. And I feel that your utilization of this bike lane is going to be limited as long as it alternates between protected and exposed. Now, I hear what you say about how there are lots of driveways and you know, you have, according to the design standard, we have to have an exposed bike lane where there's a lot of uh, cross traffic in the driveways. But the Dutch have figured out how to do this. They can have parking protected bike lanes, even with multiple driveways. So I recommend reaching out to the Dutch cycling embassy to figure out how they figured that problem out. The second point I want to talk about is the pedestrian fatalities. There was a bit of research done recently by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety concerning the prevalence of trucks and SUVs in KSI crashes and how they're substantially more likely to kill pedestrians than a sedan. These vehicles are getting bigger, they're getting heavier, the hoods are 24% taller than they were in 2000, the air pillars are a lot thicker because of the heavy roof, the visibility is atrocious out of these vehicles and they're just killing people left, right and center. So I'd be interested in seeing more data about the prevalence of the types of vehicles in crashes in San Jose. Can we break down the KSI statistics by vehicle type? I think that would be a bit more informative. And as for what measures we could take, you know, we could probably, uh, feed our findings up to state level and we can do they can do something at state level like a higher registration fee uh, by vehicle weight or something like that and as for san jose ourselves maybe we could do something like narrow the parking stalls but height limits in the city parking lots and so on try to make these vehicles unwelcome in the city great presentations everyone thank you for your time thank you man sophie would you like to unmute yourself yes 
Hello, and thank you for the wonderful presentations this morning. My name is Sophie Horiuchi Forrester. I am the Regional Director for AARP California in the San Jose office. And I wanted to add to Joe Glenn's comments that AARP is here to help offer some support and outreach uh, to our members and to the public in any of the uh, public outreach efforts that you would like to uh, engage in. in educating the community about what is happening and understanding uh, what we can do to improve traffic safety. We do look at our social change agenda is creating livable communities for all ages and to the comments made by our, our chair and co-chair about um, extending the time at crosswalks for uh, older adults, but also for folks, anybody who needs to cross the street with a stroller, um, a walker, a wheelchair, it's all very important and very um, needed. So appreciate the reports. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sophie. Chair, I think that's all we have for public comments. Great, thank you very much. And thank you to our public speakers for participating uh, and joining us today. Uh, and thank you, Anna, for running that. Okay. Uh, we're going to go back now uh, to conclude. Uh, oh, I did see Gina LeBlanc uh, put her hand up at the end there. We can go back to Gina and then we'll we'll close out public comment. Sure. Wait one second. Gina? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, um, I wasn't sure I was gonna talk, but I think you need to hear from at least one person who's lost a loved one. And um, so I also wanna agree with all the other public speakers that, um, you know, thank you for your work. And I appreciate seeing the follow-up and the surveys afterwards to see that there's an improvement. Um, I think it's really important. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know me, um, my son Kyle LeBlanc was killed on, uh, he was a pedestrian killed on Kirtner Avenue by a very large truck. And I appreciate the last caller bringing up trucks because there's a lot of data about how large trucks are um, causing more fatalities for pedestrians. Um, he was killed in 2016 on Kirtner Avenue. And I just wanna let you all know that I'm still here. I'm still active, I'm an advocate. I'm part of San Francisco Bay Area Families for Safe Streets, and I still really care. Um, I appreciate the work you're doing, and I'm sorry, but it will never be fast enough for me because <laughs> I know the government works slow, but I just want to encourage all of you and light a fire under you to keep going, keep ask, getting more money, keep working on more streets. Um, I would love if the KSIs, um, if that was more frequently looked at than five years, it feels like a long time. I mean, three years maybe seems more reasonable, but because um, things really change in the city. But other than that, I just, you know, I have positive, you know, comments for all of you. And I, um, but just want to encourage you to, to keep going and go faster. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Gina. And thank you for your support. Yeah, thank you, Gina. Uh, I think of you uh, often and, and, and Kyle, and um, especially as I'm out with my kids and, and looking at some of the improvements that we're making in the roadway and 
recognizing right that um what it's taken to get us here and then the significant loss uh, that people like like yourself have felt and so thank you for continuing to participate and advocate um we'll go back okay um that'll conclude our meeting for today thank you everybody for being here and engaging in discussion with us um, as we move forward with the task force, we're going to continue to encourage your participation from all members. We will have one more meeting in this calendar year, uh, November 30th, uh, save the date. Uh, you'll be given a short survey following the meeting, as uh, we always do. If you can kindly fill that out, it would be appreciated. Uh, thank you, and please stay safe. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone.